0: Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarnow, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let our audience know who our guest is today?
1: Hey, Adam. Hey, really fun. Today we have Benson Hines, and Benson is our Director of External Mobilization. We call him the Master Mobilizer. And our External Focus Ministry, if you're not familiar with it, uh, we we may get into some of that today, but uh, the size and scope of it is just... um, It's incredible, and it all happens outside of uh, our church, and it all happens with volunteers. And so someone is in charge of um, helping volunteers understand why they should uh, volunteer, why they should serve, why they should lead in these ministries, and that person is Benson. And so Benson spends a lot of time thinking about volunteer recruitment, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. So Benson, thanks for being here. Um, Bud, why don't you talk about or just kind of frame this whole idea of volunteer recruitment up for us, and we'll talk about some specifics.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I, I've been doing this role on External Focus for about five years now, but have a um, past of some college ministry stuff and even some chances to you know sit in churches all over the country just as a guest. And so I've been around a lot of attempts to get people to do something. And so in my role, External Focus, you know, at a lot of churches, it's just what they call community outreach or missions. Uh, we're just trying to get people out of the pews into the community and, or in our case, the multicolored soft chairs, and um, out there to serve, to be involved, and um, I I realized along the way, you know, uh, being in college ministry, you think a lot about just disciple-making, kind of that classic one-on-one disciple-making. You're sitting down with a guy, um, my restaurant of choice has often been Taco Bell, but for discipleship, it's the proximity of the Mountain Dew that has always won me over.
1: Wow. I just... Let's keep moving. I
0: just, I, um, my, Are my you a part of the Illuminati? The Bell Illuminati? Oh yeah, see I've seen those Which commercials. I guess I am. We're going All so right. downhill. All what right.
1: is that? Oh, is that the Mountain Dew? The uh, the blue Mountain Dew? No, Dude, what is that? Hey, if <laughs> we told
0: you, we'd have to kill you. Gosh. You either you either know about it or you don't. Anyway, hate, okay. So you disciple a Taco he does Bell does not know. Um. Yeah. So
2: discipling, classic picture is, you you know, me sitting across from a guy trying to walk them through what it means to be a new believer, or if they've been a believer for a while, maybe you're talking about spiritual disciplines, whatever you're talking about. Uh, decide, you know, that classic form, you're just trying to move people down the spectrum of growth. And for most of us, we would say that's what happens all throughout our churches. That's what happens on a Sunday morning um, from the pulpit, that that pastor or preacher is trying to move people down the growth continuum. That's discipleship. In a small group, that's discipleship. Doing a podcast to help church leaders, I mean, that's a form of discipleship. And so it was great when it dawned on me one day that anytime I'm recruiting volunteers, well, I'm really doing the same thing, that I am attempting at least putting before people options that they can grow spiritually and that they can help and they can have a spiritual impact. And so if that's not discipleship, then we need a new definition of discipleship. And so realizing that, especially as someone who loved the act of disciple-making in general, it really was a paradigm shift for me. And it really led to some new ways of thinking about recruiting. Um, yeah
1: that's really good. So yeah, we tend to think about discipleship as learning, and I think what you're saying is part of discipleship is doing. And uh, you're you're giving people an amazing opportunity to to become a disciple by doing. And I think that's a really helpful um just kind of contribution to the conversation here, is that you're not getting people to fill a slot in your little program or your initiative. You're giving them a chance to be a disciple. And you, in effect, are being a disciple maker. So that's really good, uh, Benson. Let's talk about how you think about, so that's a broad category. this is all about discipleship. Sure. Um, but give us some best practices and, and help us understand uh, what's in your head as you uh, as you mobilize this army that you have uh, outside of Watermark. Because yeah, this is a problem that
0: every church faces. Every church has got to have volunteers. And so every church leader, regardless of how high you are on the org chart, how long you've been on staff, you're dealing with this problem. How do you recruit volunteers? So you have a list of four great principles that I think will be incredibly helpful to us. So let's, let's just go through these four principles. And so the first one you have is this idea of lift a finger to help the decision. So what what do you mean by that?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, Jesus in Luke 11 and again, in Matthew 23, um, gets all over the Pharisees saying, Hey, I mean, you know, among many other things he, um, blasts them with, he says, you lay all these rules on people, but you don't lift a finger to help them. And, I, you know, I've just realized, like, one of the ways that um, we can help as we recruit or that sometimes we, we don't help as we recruit is just simply lifting that finger, just simply making that effort to actually help people make the decision. So often, you know, we're focused on the need. Like like you talked about, Adam, um, we've got a need in our children's ministry or somebody needs to show up so this ministry can happen at all. Or we need a leader for this ministry because that the old leader stepped out. Or we, you know, we really need donuts on Sunday morning. Whatever the need is, um, we're so focused on that that we forget, like, our job is to shepherd these people even into deciding whether that's a good spot for them. So everything from being really intentional about clarity in our recruiting, whether that's an an email newsletter, that's our social media blast, that's our announcements from the stage, um, that's our bulletin, whatever that means, being really clear. Helping people with reasons where you are able to sprinkle those in, helping people to understand why they might choose this. Um, And then if you're able, um, if you're part of the decision-making process, maybe even allowing them some investigation time, apprenticeship for that duty um, that you're asking them to sign up for a year for. If I was sitting across from a guy and he said, hey, I've got this opportunity to serve at church, I would be all over him encouraging him to investigate it and to weigh it and to, you know, You know, count the cost before he jumps into this commitment, and yet when we're recruiting, we often are skipping all those steps and just trying to get somebody to sign on the dotted line. It's really good. Dotted line.
1: You know, one of the things um, you said, just helping them evaluate uh, the decision, and you may—we're going to bring this up somewhere else, um, Benson, but you— you can't overload people with commitments mm-hmm. um, that would keep them from uh, being involved with their family or their community or uh, their neighborhood. Or, you know, their friends, those kind of things. And sometimes there's some people that will say yes to anything that you ask them to do, and you've got to be on the lookout uh, for that. And you can't take advantage of that. The best way to make a dis- disciple is to help them understand and evaluate. Uh, you know, good, better, best, and uh, and help them help them be wise about the ways they use time. And it might not be to serve in your ministry or there might be a gifting that, that doesn't going to, it's not going to sync with what you're doing. So that, that would be one thing. And the, the other one, I really liked what you said about this whole idea of like a measured step, um, you know, giving them, uh, giving them some option other than a 10 year commitment, yeah. um, get, let them come see, let them come do a trial run, let them do. I think a ride along is, is so incredibly helpful and, um, that I think that will help uh, more people say yes if you give them a measured step. And and one of the axioms I, I think about a lot when you're recruiting is that that people generally, um, they're more ready to serve than they think they are. I mean, they, they really are yeah. more capable than they think they are. Um, but they feel more inadequate um, than I realize. And so they, they've ooh, got ooh. this really um, insecure posture. They don't think they've got what it takes. And I forget that uh, because I... I I've done the thing I'm calling them to, and I'm not scared by it, and I know how to do it. I forget how it is uh, to sit in that other seat, and when you understand that mentality, uh, I think you can speak to that, and you can speak, um, you could speak to why they do have what it takes, but you could also give them kind of measured steps. And I think that's a great way to think about uh, recruiting.
0: All right, Benson, that was the first one, to lift a finger to help make the decision. The second principle that you have is to cast the vision and the value. What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, some of us are bad at both of these, but a lot of times people recognize, okay, I need to get up there. Again, if I'm doing church announcements or if I'm you know, sharing something in, a, in an email or, or whatever, a volunteer need, I need to cast the vision, um, and you do. You need to do a lot more than just say, this is our need. You may not be able to do that every time. You may have five. Five seconds I understand that but Over time, you should be sharing what is accomplished by people serving in this way. It's a much bigger deal to say, hey, we need people serving in our children's ministry because we're excited about discipling kids. And we're excited about setting them up for success as they go through our Sunday school and our youth group and college and and all that. Or we're excited because, man, most people who come to Christ are going to come to Christ in these years. You're, You're really setting up the vision, what it means, what's at stake. Um, And even the value then for them too. It isn't unspiritual to help people understand why it would be valuable to them to serve. Um, Everybody's asking, what's in it for me? And even if we tamp down that selfishness, um, it's still okay that people are trying to make those decisions based on what they're passionate about, based on what they can do and all that. And so don't just cast the vision, but but definitely do that, but also cast the value of um, how this will be a benefit to the person who chooses to volunteer, it it I would say here watching your why really matters. If we're disciple makers first and recruiters second, or however you want to put that. Um, This is where bad versus good discipleship can really come in because we can really do kind of a legalism light when we just say, hey, serve because that's what good people do. Uh, That's not a biblical motivation to serve. There's a lot better whys we can throw out there. And so we really got to watch the why we give people.
0: So, Benson, I can imagine there's a leader out there driving around listening to this, and they're thinking about their volunteer opportunities that they have with their church right now, and they're going, listen— we just have some chores that need to be done, okay? So I don't know how to cast the vision for some of these these things that just parking have cars, to happen. Yeah, sure, yeah no, have to happen. So step, yeah. what would you say to that person that is thinking that way right now and just going, listen, I'm not, I am not. I can't get up there and lie. This is not yeah, a yeah. great volunteer opportunity. This is just something that as a family we need to do. What, what would you say to them? Uh, we'll talk a little bit later on focusing on the audience. Not
2: lying is part of that. Like being willing to- uh, <laughs> Thanks for clarifying uh, yeah. that. That's, that's really helpful. Uh, Being willing to say, but I mean, the truth is we, maybe we don't usually lie, but we can shade it to where even the worst opportunities sound great. And that's not what a great disciple maker does. He He's more willing to get up there and say, hey, these are just chores that need to happen. I'm casting the vision for why they need to happen, you know? And it still may be not pretty, but there are people out there, and I run into them a lot, who will respond to a need. That's great. Yeah. They're servant-hearted in that way. I'd also say, though— It's rare that you would find an opportunity in your church that you couldn't cast some sort of vision to. The fact that coffee wakes people up so they can sing and worship and hear God's word better, like that may sound kind of trite or cliche or, you know, Jesus juking, but it really is true. Parking, I mean, I've been to a bunch of churches all over, and I notice what happens in that parking lot, and a parking volunteer is my first greeting, and uh, and so, again, you can actually— come to realize that those things are more important. But then sometimes you just shoot it straight and people will appreciate you for it.
0: I remember the first time sitting in a church, part of a church back in Atlanta, and the senior pastor got up and he he made that distinction mm. between, hey, there are some things we have to do around here that it's just a burning building. And we just see people in there. We just got to go in there. We got to help. And and I love the way he didn't spin it to try to yeah. make it sound like something that was better uh, than it really was. And in, in that way, he was. He was casting vision. And my heart was drawn to that going, okay. This is, this is going to help, and I think there's so many people that are sitting out there that want to help, and so sometimes even just letting them know, hey, this is this is just some of the family chores that we have to do can be a, a really effective way to cast a vision. Yeah,
2: even the people. term family chores
0: implies family, and yeah. you've already
2: cast a little bit of vision by saying family.
1: Absolutely. We want this thing to work. Yeah. But again, I, th- I think just your big idea here is casting the vision, casting the why, and it's really interesting a lot of the people that we ask to volunteer and serve they say no to a lot of other opportunities in their business you know, um, kind of nine to five. They're they're evaluating uh, good, better, best, and they like, oh, that's that's not a good use of my time. I say no to that. I say no to that. I say no to that. And uh, they're they're looking for the high leverage opportunities. They're looking for uh, places that that will have a, an impact. Places they feel like they can use their gifts. And then we approach them and just say, we've well, got a hole. We need you to fill it. And that's not compelling. And and we ask them to evaluate all our opportunities differently in the church than they would they would have. Yeah. Um, kind of nine to five. So give them a big. Give them a big why, and when you do, I think they'll bring out the best and people, and you'll get some some great volunteers—not people uh, who just had uh, availability. Yeah. And uh, we need those, but we also we also want people who are going to bring their a game and bring all the gifts that God's given them. They will do so if they have a big why.
0: All right. So the first principle was to lift a finger and help people make a decision. The second principle was to cast the vision and the value, and the third principle that you have here for volunteer recruitment, Benson, is to stand behind the ask. What do you mean by that? Really what that comes down to is volunteer experience.
2: Whether it is on our campus or it is, you know, like the volunteer experiences I deal with off campus, have we really vetted it through the eyes of a volunteer? Is it, is it really going to provide them with value? And are they really having an impact when they get down there? Will it be organized? Will it be clear what they're trying to do? The worst feeling, at least for a lot of us, is to be in an organization, I mean, to be in an opportunity where you know you could possibly help, but you have no idea what to do. Like, that stinks and even even caring about our disciples or our recruits enough to say, hey, is this a real fit for their own talents and their own passions and, and all that? So, so in the end, it's caring about the volunteer experience. Can I stand behind what I'm asking people to do? Some people listening to this podcast will have a lot more control over that than others, but even the announcement guy can uh, try to influence... Um, how that happens in
1: his church that's great yes yeah, so you're, you're just saying hey this is a this is a great use of your time and yeah. I've done my homework and I've I, I know for a fact this will uh, we're organized we're gonna use you your, your gifts are gonna be used you know we're not putting you in a parking lot in the corner w- right next to someone else where it doesn't matter if you're there or not yeah. you know I feel solid about this I would ask my brother I would ask my mom to do this because uh, I think they're they're gonna enjoy it and they're going to use their gifts, and so I believe in this ask, um, and uh, I know I'm giving you an op- I'm giving you an opportunity uh, as much as I am an ask. That's Even really- if it's
0: a chore, you're saying this is
2: important to the operation.
0: All right. So the fourth one that you have here, Benson, is to focus on the audience when you're making that that recruitment pitch. So. Why don't you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So wherever that pitch happens to be happening, whether it's from the stage or it's a one-on-one conversation in the hallway or it's an email or a newsletter, thinking about who's actually hearing this and as best I can, putting myself in their shoes, Um uh, Not all of us have that ability innately. I don't know that I do, Uh, but I've just been in enough situations that have allowed me to really think about what it's like for that person sitting in the audience. And I'm, I'm not perfect at it, but I try. I try to say, hey, how would this come off to the person sitting out there? Two ways to think about that are to tailor to the audience, to tailor your recruiting, and to target your recruiting. Um, And in both cases, it means you think about, hey, who is this announcement really for? If this announcement is most likely to be used or appreciated by a teenager, I'm gonna speak a little differently. Not that I'm gonna to try to speak like a teenager, but I'm gonna think about how they might receive it or how the mom with three kids who's staying at home might receive this announcement. Who's most likely to participate? That that'll make us better all these really all these tips are gonna make us better at getting volunteers. They're not just being better guys and gals and not just saying, hey, we want a disciple here, but they really are going to get our numbers because we're going to think more. And so you tailor your recruiting to who you're talking to, but you also target your recruiting. And that's one of the biggest things I've found is if you have the opportunity to reach out specifically to people who have already let you know that they're sort of in that cohort or in that most likely to participate group, uh, often they'll take it as a privilege just to be asked, especially if you're in a big church. When I reach out and I say, hey, you told us at some point sometime that you were an engineer and we have this engineering task out with one of our external ministry partners, I get I get a lot of emails back that say, hey, thank you for thinking of me. And I, I wasn't thinking of them particularly personally, but I got personal enough that it felt great to them.
1: Yeah, that's good. This really good. Yeah, you guys do a great job uh, of leveraging the data. So, those who aren't familiar, we've got a 4B form, uh, is what, what it's called. Believe, belong, betray, and be strong. And it's basically our spiritual growth assessment that we give everyone uh, in our church once a year. And there's a part of that they will put on it, on that form any gifts, any talents, any skills they have. And people love uh, to be asked. Um, to use those gifts, um, their specialized knowledge inside the church, and anytime I've sent one of those emails, I've I've kind of called out some of that, uh, you know, the little market segment um, there. I always think I'm going to get a, why why did you put this in my inbox? And generally, like I get back a lot. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, and uh, they, because they want to, they want to use. They've got a level of competency, and they would love to make a kingdom impact on that. But I, I do think that the broader category. Uh, they're just making the ask. Um, I'm always shocked at how someone will serve in the ministry. I'll ask them, you know, you want to serve in this ministry, and they'll say yes. And I'll say, why, why haven't you been serving previously? It seems like such a natural fit, and they'll just say, well, no one ever asked me. Yeah. And uh, there is just power in looking someone in the eye, not not in a not as a sales pitch, uh, but just going, hey. I, I, I think you would add value uh, here. I think you would enjoy it. I think you'd be good. I think you help a lot of people. Would you serve in this capacity? Would you lead in this capacity? And um, always, I'm surprised people would say, "Oh yeah, absolutely." They wouldn't have said, "There's just a need out there, nebulously, and uh, call you," but you ask them, and they'll they'll respond to that. A,
0: a gent, what is the phrase? Like a general request to everyone is a, a specific request to no one. Yeah. And I think I've seen that. We've all seen that over and over again. You stand up there. You just go, hey, we need 15 volunteers. And you just put that out there and you get nobody to respond to that because it's a general request to everyone. And so nobody feels specifically valued by that request. And so, yeah, when you reach out personally one-on-one, which is not easy as a leader, but it is the cost of leadership. It's a lot of individual conversations with people. When you do that, it communicates value and people will respond to that
1: personal yeah. request. W- one of our phrases often is never say someone's no for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of times when you're making a list, if I'm going to talk to these people, you you tend to circle this guy, go, he'll, he'll never say yes to that. Well, let him say no. Don't, don't self-select him out uh, yourself. You give him the opportunity and you'll be amazed at how oftentimes uh, people will say yes that you thought maybe they wouldn't. And um, so never say someone's no for them. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, this focus on the audience one too is one of the places where we can mess ourselves up pretty easily. A lot of times we'll go into an announcement or a bulletin you know blurb or whatever and we're just kind of running what we think is the communication playbook, but there if you're really putting yourselves in the shoes of the audience, you're gonna realize some things um, that you might not if you just kind of go for it or think of yourself as, you know, oh I, I know what I'm I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm saying. Um, for instance, you know there's it it's easy for People to think, oh, we need to be brief. Like, brief is the key. And I would say, hey, sometimes it is, but clarity is the key. Like, being real clear, and if that takes a few paragraphs or that takes a long email, that is better and more appreciated than just something being brief. And sometimes something being brief doesn't say much at all, and spending 30 seconds on it or a minute on it would have said quite a bit. An example I brought up with Adam one time was um, just that I learned, hey, don't tell people to to fill out your communication card at the beginning of announcements. Because if they do, then they're spending that whole time not listening to announcements. And so that's just one thing I've learned
0: by sitting in the, you know, sitting in the shoes of the audience. That's great, so these are these are great principles, Benson, that you have written down and shared with us, so lifting a finger to help people make the decision, casting the vision and the value, standing behind the ask, and focusing on the audience. So to wrap this up, you've got like this running list. I'm sure it's twenty or thirty things long. We're not going to ask for all of them, but let's let's just rapid fire. What are some of your your best tips for sure. maximizing recruitment? why don't we why don't we force you to go through your top three? Great uh, I'd say do the work for word of mouth. Um,
2: that's one that everybody knows, but people aren't always willing to do the work of. Get word of mouth going in your church. Get word of mouth going from your current volunteers, especially.
0: All right. So word of mouth. John, you've probably seen this in marriage ministry, leading foundation groups, leading in re being a merge table leader. I think those are really fun volunteer uh, opportunities that people tell their friends about. And so you guys have... Uh,
1: I have seen a lot of success with yeah, that. Yeah, well, you just want to make sure, right, that uh, if someone were to ask, they've got a friend serving in this ministry area, what would they would they hear? Well, uh, hey, you need to do this or run for the hills, right? Yeah. And so we, we've been real careful to keep this as recruiting. Um, that's kind of a little bit more into the retaining but a big part of recruiting is creating a ministry environment that people want to come and serve in and that everyone who's there already would say oh, absolutely you'd want uh, to serve here so that's that's not so much about the pitch that that uh, Vince has been talking about but that's a incredibly uh you know, an important part of all this. Otherwise, you just gotta. It becomes a uh, a pyramid scheme. You just gotta keep bringing in you know <laughs> new unsuspecting uh, people to the uh, uh, to the scheme. Uh, you're much much better off to create an environment that people will want to, and they'll actually recruit. The deal is, if you create that, they will recruit for you. Yep.
0: All right. So word of mouth. What's the next one, Vincent? I'd say uh,
2: old saying: You will cultivate what you honor. So if you honor volunteers in your church, you are much more likely to get more volunteers. And so I, you know. Know, some churches would do volunteer of the year kind of award stuff. It may be a banquet. It may be something a lot smaller. It may be just telling the testimonies of those who volunteer, but you will cultivate more of what you've chosen to honor.
0: All right. What's the last one? Uh,
2: it's something I call around here kingdom-minded competition. Uh, you know, Like we said, I work with a lot of external ministry partners that we're involved with, and I don't want them, if we're going to have a ministry fair, I don't want them to show up and just give information. But they may feel a little icky about the whole idea of, well, I'm going to come and bring big banners and I'm going to do all this stuff if they know or they think that other ministries aren't going to do the same. But I encourage them to flip that in their head and I say, yes, we need to be kingdom minded. It is, you know, you want somebody, if they come to you to serve in children's ministry, but they're a better fit for... Helping the babies, like, you need to be willing to push them over there. That's being kingdom-minded, but you need to be kingdom-minded competitive, meaning – You're really bringing it. You're really bringing, as John said, your A-game every time you recruit volunteers. You need to spend time with that message, um, whether it's a little blurb or it's a long announcement or it's a video or something. You need to spend time making art as best you can because the more that you make volunteering sound exciting, the more likely you're going to build a volunteer culture in your church, which really uh, can then start to recruit volunteers really for you. I love. It. That's his secret.
1: How we wondered how in the world does he get all these volunteers. He's just competitive. He, is. he views this as a zero sum game, and he's trying to take you down, Adam. He's trying to beat all of us, which is uh, it's not a zero sum game. There's uh, there's more people in the church that need to serve than there are. Uh, clearly, opportunities. Yeah, but and if we're uh, all ben,
2: bringing our A game,
1: yeah. But Benson, you're just saying, hey, let's. <laughs> You know, let's have a tenacity like this is. There's only so many of them out here, and I've got to get to them before, yep. and I've got to convince them uh, in a way that's better than the other guys out there. Uh, that'll get you off the ball and uh, get you on the phone. Yeah, tap emails. into
0: their fear of missing out.
1: And I think the <laughs> the porch does a
0: great job of that. The young adult ministry yeah. here at Watermark does a great job of that. It's almost like, hey, if you don't serve here, your life is is going to be worse. And, and they do a great job of that. And they have raving fans out there that are that are trying to get other people. To come and to volunteer, and these people believe in what they're doing, and it's part of what makes that ministry so great. And, and if
2: everybody at your church, if every ministry area does the same thing, then, man, everybody will know, I don't know where I'm going to volunteer, but i got to volunteer somewhere.
0: Yeah. What would you say to the, the guys that are driving around and gals that are driving around right now listening to this, and they don't have Taco Bell in their town?
2: Uh Oh, there are lots of options. Okay. Um, even regionally, I've gotten, like I said, to be in a lot of churches, and that means I've been all over the country. And there are some great regional things. Adam and I were talking about the cookout um, before, that if you're in that region, you're lucky indeed. Uh, Whataburger is a regional favorite down here. Oh, we also, I mean, Dallas is a hot spot. We've got In-N-Outs. We've got Chick-fil-A's. Um, so we, are, we have an embarrassment of riches here. But uh, Taco John is a random taco Westmex place I've been to in Wyoming. Completely sounds made uh, up, by the way. I know, doesn't it? Uh, but but it's good.
1: All right. <laughs> I feel like I, I just need to take you to lunch. You live in Dallas. There's some great places to eat, and I can't believe you, you go to Taco Bell. But you, you. recruited Scott Kadersha to come on staff
0: at what? Like a, a Denny's? Or was it IHOP oh, or, was just, oh, yeah, well, is or true, bad yeah. sushi? Like there's, you have you have a IHop. reputation.
1: Yeah, I guess it has more about it's more about the pitch than the place. That was halfway between where he was and I was, and we were just meeting up. Yeah, yeah. that's that's. You were uh, focused should, on your audience. There you go. That's good.
0: Well, awesome, John. Any final thoughts before Wait, we wrap I, up? Just
1: just this. Um, when you're thinking about just kind of presenting opportunities to people, just think about yourself. You, and you, you kind of alluded to this, uh, Benson, earlier. Um, you know, think about the audience, understand, try to put yourself in their shoes. But, but like, literally, think about yourself. Would I want to do this? Like, and what would motivate me to want to? Okay, so for me, I can tell you some of the things, Benson. If you were uh, you know, you're giving me an opportunity. There's some things I would want to know. So one of them is that this matters. There's just so many things. I've got four kids. I've got ministry opportunities. I've got to take care of myself and friendships. You need I, I need to be convinced this is a good use of my time and it matters. Right. And so I, you need you need to be aware of that. Now two, I, I wanna grow. Uh, in, in this opportunity. I, I'd rather not um, just go through the motions every week. I want to know that there's some value that I'll receive just because uh, that I'm there, that you will do something to help me grow as a leader, as a Christ follower. This whole discipleship um, thing that you're talking about, that, that I'm going to love God and love others more because I'm doing the thing that you're calling me to do. Uh, and then thirdly, I want to do it with people that, that, I enjoy uh, being with, and I go. I, well, I would miss out if I wasn't um, a part of of that community, whatever however small uh, it is, because of who who is there. And so, I, I think about that whenever I'm giving people an opportunity. I think about, hey, John, what would you want to hear? And those are three things um, that this matters: that you will grow, and you're going to love the people that you do that uh, with. And so, when I do that, I, I tend to get a lot more yeses. And again. We, only if you can say so with integrity, um, but rather than just kind of, you know, talking about. You know some of the things we need of them. I'll talk about the the benefit uh, of doing this, and uh, and I think that's really helpful for people. That's how I'd want to be uh, approached, and that's oftentimes how I will approach others. That's great.
0: Well, Benson, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. This sure. was definitely uh, some really incredible information. That I know will be a lot of help to a lot of people out there. So
1: yeah, and Benson, I would just say uh, the people don't know, but uh, brother, I appreciate the uh, the ways you mobilized this army here. And so this is not theory uh, to you. We see you, you practice it. Uh, every week, and you, there's a lot of people that are serving all over this Metroplex uh, because of your leadership, and we hold you in high regard, brother. Thank you. Well, thank you.
0: Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.